Today on the show, I'll react to the Seahawks' win over Dallas last night as they moved to 2-0 on the preseason. I'll give you my impressions on how I thought each position group performed overall, and then three individuals that I thought stood out above everyone else. And a big programming announcement, some personal news at the end. Be sure to stick around for that. These roster battles are about to get good. I'll try to be good on this episode of Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. As always, if you like what I do, like the video, subscribe to the channel, subscribe on whichever audio podcast platform you prefer. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, the other ones don't do this as well, but if you really like what I do, leave a review. If you would, uh, the algorithm and me would greatly appreciate it. it would really help the show. Uh, I set a goal of 3,000 subscribers by week one, the first game against the Rams at Lumen Field. It is steadily climbing toward that goal. Uh, still have a shot at it, so would appreciate your support there. Uh, got a little bit of news today. The Seahawks did make a player move releasing defensive end Jordan Ferguson, who had a cool sack, small school player, undrafted free agent, had a cool sack in the first preseason game against Minnesota. Uh, really, the only thing he did yesterday was jump off sides. <laughs> Seahawks signed former uh, Patriot defensive end Demarcus Mitchell. He was an undrafted free agent as well, but was on the 53-man roster for them his rookie year, mostly contributing on special teams. The other news item, I guess, no major injuries coming out of the game. Uh, Cody Thompson has a shoulder thing. Uh, we all saw Drew Locke go down. Uh, we'll address that a little bit later in the show. Uh, after he got hit low by Sam Williams on the knee, um, uh, stayed in the game for the rest of the drive. It turns out it was strained or, or slight sprain, hyperextension. Pete says he'll be fine. Um, nothing major there with Drew Locke. Uh, who we're going to talk about quite a bit today, as you can imagine. So we're two-thirds of the way now through the preseason, still getting my head wrapped around this three-game preseason. Um, and the Seahawks moved to 2-0, which is a huge improvement over the last couple of years. They haven't been good in the preseason the last couple of years. Combined record in 21 and 22 of 1-5. and five. Um, And I was having this conversation the other day with a friend about, I mean, how essentially meaningless preseason results are. It's still... It still amazes me how uh, some people overreact to things that they see in the preseason, mostly wins and losses um, or individual performances. And we'll touch on some of those today. Um, so it's largely meaningless as far as those results go, but it can give you clues as to the roster and the overall depth and talent of the roster. Um, I found... I found it frustratingly difficult to look at historical preseason records for the Seahawks. thought I would go back and look for some trends because I, I had an image in my head of sort of how things have gone over the, uh, the timeline of the Pete Carroll, John Snyder era. Um, sometimes though, reality doesn't match up. Stats don't match up with the memory, right? Uh, I was right about one thing. I was wrong about another that, that, that during that kind of dip uh, between let's say top of my head, 16 and 20. Right. Um, in my head, I thought, well, they must've had, they must've been terrible in the preseason. 
gone one and three, zero oh and four a couple times, and they did, but they had a four and zero oh preseason in there too, um, where the regular season didn't didn't really kind of continue that success. Um, but we all remember how good they were, the Seahawks, in the preseason during those two Super Bowl years, 2012, 2013. 4-0 both seasons, and, and this is where it gets fun. 2012, they outscored their opponents 122-44, to and in 2013, similar numbers, 110-36. to You know, I, I just had a pretty vivid memory of how it spoke to the depth of those rosters that maybe the starters would play a couple of series and they wouldn't do that well. And then when it got to the reserves, the Seahawks' second and third units were just so much better than the other team, that they would bludgeon them in the second half. Um, not a, not exactly to that extreme in these last two games, but we have seen, I believe, depth. Young quality depth and talent. Uh, unlike anything we've seen since, I would say, uh, 2015, when they started to dismantle that team. Um, and so I thought I would go through position group by position group. I, I had to watch the game on a replay. If you follow me on Twitter, you saw that I was hoping to go to the game last night. Wasn't able to, um, had to work my day job, <laughs> which happens at night, but you know, we call it the day job. Um, so I came home, watched the game, finished watching it this morning. And, uh, and, and I took notes live as I was watching it. And I actually thought I might kind of take you through those notes, but I don't, I don't think it would have been that entertaining. Um, a lot of scatter shot, um, just random thoughts as I went through. So I compiled them and I went position group by position group. And then I want to save for the end, as I touched on in the intro and, and really talk about some guys that I thought stood out. Uh, let's start with the offensive line. I thought overall just just looked really solid. I, I think we talked about it earlier last week, of course, if you haven't uh, seen the episode with Sanjit T, the football scout on YouTube, where he does a deep dive. He's done film study on all the Seahawk offensive linemen. That's kind of his specialty. It's the thing he likes the most. Um, he's really impressed with this group, and I agree, and it shows up. Um, outside of Charles Cross getting absolutely beat by Sam Williams off the edge for a sack once, Um they look really solid. Good, solid pocket. How many times have I just said solid? <laughs> but even the second unit, um, I thought, delivered good protection for Drew Locke and Holt Nailers. Good pockets. Um, reasonable pass protection. Early on, there wasn't a lot of push in the running game, but that got better as the game went along, and there were some explosive plays Mixed in there. So the starting unit, Evan Brown at center, Phil Haynes and Damian Lewis at the guards. This was the starting five. Abe Lucas at right tackle, Charles Cross at left tackle. Everyone healthy, everyone in there. Olu Oluwatimi wasn't able to play today because of the elbow thing. But as I talked about earlier in the week, Evan Brown's the starter. He looked good. Um, ben Fennel on Twitter tweeted a, a string of highlights today, five, six, seven plays of the Seahawks offensive line really manhandling Cowboys first round pick Mazzie Smith out of Michigan. And you remember so many of you liked Smith and thought he was what the Seahawks needed in the middle of our line and needed to draft a big dude, 330 pounds, uber athletic, 
Seahawks pancaked him a number of times. Brown handled him. Bradford handled him. Lewis handled him. Lucas handled him. Got him on the ground a bunch. And then I think where we're really going to see this line stand out this year is I think Geno Smith's going to stay clean in the pocket. I think he's going to have a lot of time to throw this year. They just look like a balanced group. And Evan Brown looks like a significant upgrade over Austin Blythe, Justin Britt, and the guys that came before him. Um, thought I would throw in a couple of individual accolades. Nobody's nobody's really talked about the long snapper this year. Chris Stoll is his name out of Penn State, undrafted free agent. Only long snapper on the roster. Seahawks felt so good about this guy. They moved on from their, their past long snapper. Signed him as an undrafted free agent. Didn't bring in any competition. Uh, he won, I can't remember the name of it. He won the award, I believe, in college last year for best long snapper. And he's he's looked the part. Not a single bad snap. And uh, actually got down the field and made a tackle on a uh, on a punt team or on a punt coverage rep yesterday. He's been impressive. And 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 for a long snapper to be impressive, it means you don't notice him. <laughs> that's that means he's good at his job. It's kind of like being a home plate umpire calling balls and strikes. If you're not talking about him, it means he's really good. And then Anthony Bradford uh, played a lot in the second half. Still has some work to do in pass protection. Uh, Sanjit talked about that last week. But man, you can see the strength and the power and the athleticism. He really gets some push in the running game. He really does. Uh, let's talk about the running backs. Uh, this is an, an incomplete. If I was doing grades, obviously this would be an incomplete. Uh, still no Ken Walker, even though we practiced last week. Still no Kenny McIntosh, although Pete says he's closer to coming back. So we saw a little bit of Zach Charbonnet early, and he had one of those explosive plays I talked about, 29-yard 29 29-yard run. And then we saw a whole lot of Sir Roderick Thompson. Uh, Bryant Kobach hurt this week, uh, leading rusher last week. Um, and here's what I'll say about Tom. And we saw some DJ Dallas. This this was actually one of the notes that I took. I'll, I'll say this about DJ. I love him. I really, really like him. You know, he runs hard. He's got a cool style about him. He's physical. Um, but he just doesn't have those special traits you look for in a running back. Um, in baseball terms, I consider DJ Dallas a replacement level player. You can find guys like DJ Dallas um, on the waiver wire elsewhere in the league. Um, some of you may take that as criticism and I might hear about it. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't like DJ at all. He's been on the show. Um, he's just not a guy that you want carrying a heavy load. So it was Charbonnet and then he gave way to Sir Roderick Thompson um, and Tualapa. Tualapa. I think there's two two laws in there. The former UW running back, undrafted free agent, got some carries as well. But Sir Roderick Thompson was solid. 11 carries, 50 yards, had a 29-yarder late. And, and here's the thing. We lost Alex Collins this week. A tragic motorcycle accident. The former Seahawks running back, just 28 years of age. Former Arkansas running back. Three consecutive thousand yards rushing. In, in college, came to Seattle, looked good as a rookie, was released, had some off-field issues, had a really good year with the Baltimore Ravens, came back to the Seahawks twice and contributed. He was always a guy that players loved. 
And it, it's always, it's just so tragic, tragic. Anytime you lose, lose a life, but so young, uh, played in the USFL, I think this last year. So Roderick Thompson reminds me a little bit of Alex Collins. It's not just the dreads. It's not just their physical build, kind of a similar running style. Gets that wide base, had one really cool run uh, on a cutback where there wasn't much in the inside. So he broke it out to the left outside and he did a little two footed jump cut. Uh, the kind of thing that we saw Alex Collins do. Remember uh, the the river dance stuff that he used for training? So Roderick Thompson's interesting. I think he's going to be a practice squad running back, but he's a guy that if you need it, if you have some injuries, I think you can call him up and do some things with him. All-time leader at Texas Tech with 40 touchdowns. Um, he's got a little something to him. Got a little something to him. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Wide receivers. Expected, hoped to see more. Talked about that uh, a couple of days ago on the show. But we saw more of the same, really. Two best receivers on the field. We saw a little bit of Tyler Lockett. Had a catch. Didn't see any DK. Two best receivers on the field were Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jake Bobo. Again. Smith and Jigba had the 48-yarder. Thought thought it was going to be a score down to the one. We're going to talk about the throw in a little bit. But just an outstanding route. Made a tough catch over his outside shoulder. Actually, he was on the inside shoulder. He was running an outbreaking like a flag route. And then Jake Bobo, again, he's just, he's just always involved. Two catches, 43 yards, showed off his route running ability on a 28-yard, a little slant and go. You know, they talk about his 4'9 speed. Um, can't remember if it was Michael Bennett or Michael Robinson in the booth who said, you know, he looks faster than 4'9 in the football field. Looks at least like a 4'6 guy. He's got that short area quickness. Good route runner. Showed it off on that play. I think Jake Bobo has made the team. Spoiler alert for when I do my 53-man projection later in the week. I think Jake Bobo has made, it, made the team. Contributes on special teams. Almost recovered a block punt for a touchdown, but was able to push the recovering Dallas player out of the back of the end zone to get a safety. That's why he had the uh, 22 score, odd score. Uh, Dariq Young disappointing. Wasn't sure if he was going to be able to play because he's been banged up, but he did. And he had, he had two balls that I would call drops would have been tough catches. They were in traffic. They were contested catches. He didn't come up with either one. And Michael Bennett himself said, listen, if you're going to be a receiver in this league, that's what you want to see. I had, I had a, a Twitter follower, I think challenged me earlier this week on, he was a big Matt Landers fan, really thought Landers had a chance to make the roster. And I said, no, when I called Derek Young a lock, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure he's a lock. He's got to catch those balls. You know, it's his athletic ability. Um, that kind of is his calling card. Got to be able to catch. Didn't see Aesop Winston Jr. Yesterday coming off the, the really good game against Minnesota. I'm not sure if he was hurt or not. 
Uh, Cody Thompson, uh, as I said, got his shoulder dinged up late, but he had a nice, nice catch. He just looks like a pro, but he's 28 years old now. Saw a couple of cool plays from Tyjon Lindsay. Uh, the little 5'8 jitterbug out of Oregon State. Three catches, 36 yards, had a 15-yarder that was really cool, and a 27-yard punt return. Looked really natural returning kicks. I just think it's an uphill battle for him to be able to make the roster. And we saw, uh, I mentioned Matt Landers, didn't see him yesterday much, if at all. Don't know if he had snaps, but I didn't notice him. Didn't have any catches. And actually, John Hall, the small school prospect, Division II Northwood in Michigan, um, was playing ahead of Matt Landers for whatever reason last night. He's actually the one that had the block punt. That's always going to turn coaches' heads, right? Tight ends, nothing to write home about. Again, not really heavily involved. Five catches total. Griffin Bear actually had two of those five. Uh, Noah Fant did have a 21-yarder. Um, Hawks were kind of focusing on the running game and really being balanced yesterday. Uh, just 25 pass attempts to uh, 32 for Dallas. Quarterbacks, first look at Geno Smith. Played a couple of series. Uh, the offense didn't really look in sync, didn't look crisp or sharp. He was five out of six, 46 yards, took a sack. He looked fine. It's the last we're going to see him. He's not going to play in the third preseason game against Green Bay. Uh, the one highlight on a second long play, had a really great pocket, good pass protection, delivered to Disley. Nice throw, kind of kind of off his back foot, leaning back a little bit uh, for the first down. We're going to talk about the other two quarterbacks, Drew Locke and Holt Nailers. But we're going to come back to that. Uh, defensive side of the ball, interior defensive lineman, again, hard to tell. Incomplete. Uh, Mike Morris didn't play this week because uh, he's come up with a little injury. Doesn't sound like anything serious. Still no Cam Young. So we just don't know. He's an unknown. Will he be ready against the Rams? Maybe, but just haven't seen him. Uh, very little Mario Edwards saw him in there, saw at least one snap from Draymond Jones, didn't do anything. I think they're really being careful with those guys. Some interesting things from the other interior defensive linemen, though. Um, and we did see a really cool splash play from Jaron Reed. I'm getting more and more excited about his potential as the starting nose tackle. Uh, on this particular play, he was lined up as a defensive end. Third and four, absolutely abused the left guard for a sack. I think it was against Cooper Rush. Uh, just reminded you of that 10-sack season that he had playing alongside Frank Clark uh, before, he, before he left. So the depth there, still a lot of unknowns. Didn't see any of Anthony Montalvo, who they picked up for the Miami Dolphins two weeks ago. Still hasn't played. Uh, but we we saw a lot more of Jacob. I, I misspelled this. I think it's Jacob Sykes, uh, undrafted free agent out of UCLA. Interesting dude, graduated from Harvard and transferred to UCLA for his last season. He just seems to be around the ball. Um, makes a push, makes plays down the line. He's always active, really good motor. He has increased his chances of making this roster as it stands. I still think they're going to add there. They need to add there. Michael Bennett himself last night said that the defensive line was missing that Red Bryant type player. 
that can just kind of hold the point of attack. Maybe that guy is Matt Gotell. 6-1-341, West Florida. Was signed as an undrafted free agent early in the offseason, released and then brought back by the Seahawks. Again, physical, getting pushed, got some penetration. On a screenplay, went down the line to make a play. Looks athletic for 340. Kind of reminds me of Brian Monet his rookie year. So I look forward to seeing more from him. Uh, and then I, I have a little note here too. I saw, saw some interesting things yesterday on third down. Some really cool defensive looks where only one or two players were in four-point stances or, th- or even three-point stances. A lot of guys standing up at the line, linebackers coming up in stand-up positions, um, giving the offense something to think about who's going to drop, who's going to come. Inside linebackers, Patrick O'Connell, the undrafted free agent out of Montana, who looked so good and really turned some heads against Minnesota in that first game, played early. Played early and played often. Second on the team with seven tackles, four of them solo. Last night, he just looks, you know, he's a little undersized, 6'1", 6'2", 221 but he looks instinctive. He looks comfortable. His first step seems to be in the right direction. He looks like a guy that knows how to play the inside linebacker position. And he was incredibly productive at Montana, including rushing the quarterback, lots of sacks, tackles for loss. You know, we know Jordan Brooks came back off the pup this week. That improves their depth there. Don't know how much he's going to be able to go, but Pete Carroll says he's going to get some full speed reps in practice this week. He looks like he might be on track to be able to play against the Rams in week one. What's that going to do for the the depth chart? Where's he going to fit in? How, how easy are they going to go on him? And where does Devin Bush fit into that? But Patrick O'Connell is a dude. um, I said it before, kind of reminds me of Ben Burkirvin as a rookie, but You know, three weeks ago, we weren't talking about Patrick O'Connell, and now we are. Outside linebackers, this might be uh, one of the most dynamic groups on the roster. We're going to talk about these guys a lot. Still no Daryl Taylor. Carroll says he should make some, he's making some progress, might see some reps in practice this week. Tyreek Smith continued, had another good week, led the team with eight tackles, had a sack late that was really emphatic, kind of an exclamation point on the game, two tackles for loss in the game, just around the football, doesn't ever seem to, to get blown off the ball, sets the edge while really athletic. I think he solidified his his uh, spot on the roster. And Boye Mafe, um, you know, with the team really being careful with the Chen and Nuosu, not giving him a lot of snaps, Boye Mafe has been the best guy on the roster at that position this offseason. We, we see it all. Looks like a starter. Combination of strength and athleticism. Read one report today that Carroll still seems to indicate Daryl Taylor would be the quote-unquote starter when he comes back from injury. I don't know, man. Mafe plays the run better. He's stronger. Just that combination of strength and athleticism is really uh, intriguing, as it is with Derek Hall. Again, around the ball, looks like a pro. You can see the talent. Looks like a rookie contributor. And he's consistent. You just you see him all the time. You notice him all the time. And he had a sack in the second half that showed off everything that when I first put on the tape of Derek Hall against Alabama that you see. Use a stiff arm. Absolutely beat the left tackle for the Cowboys. Speed to power. Rock the tackle back on his heels. And just shoved him back into the quarterback for a sack. There's just a 
pure individual play. Everything you want to see out of one of those guys. There's one other guy from that edge group that we're going to talk about too, but he's one of the three that I'm saving for just, just a couple minutes here until the end. Um, and then that second defensive line as a whole, just like week one, was fun to watch. That was Hall, Miles Adams, who's been really steady, Sykes, and then that combination of Boye Mafe and Levi Bell. Secondary, uh, a lot of people talking about the, the rough game that Mike Jackson had. Gave up three catches on four targets for 58 yards. But look, most of that was on one play. You know the play. He was in position, didn't make, didn't make the play. I think Mike Jackson's fine. Does that mean I think he's going to be the starter? I don't know. Because Trey Brown was one of the standouts last night. It's not one of the three that I saved till the end. But Trey Brown, he even said after the game, he said, I'm back. Like it took him a full year to really get his explosiveness back after that injury, his rookie year. Uh, Carroll raved about him. He's hitting guys, had an interception at the goal line late in the game. Has he won the competition at left cornerback? After Mike Jackson had the you know really great OTAs, mini camps, training camp, training camp uh, is Trey Brown going to be the starter opposite Reek Woolen? With Devin Witherspoon figuring in there somewhere, we're going to see more of Witherspoon next week. Carroll said he'll ramp up practicing a little bit, probably won't play in that third week, but should be good for the Rams game. So that competition will continue to wage in practice. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who's who the starter is on day one. Of all the jobs on the roster, that is the one that is still, I think, the most up for grabs. Still a lot to sort out. And then I like, again, what I saw from Jarek Reed, you know, that it seemed through the, the off season or OTAs that there wasn't a lot of thought that he would be much more than a special teams player. They might just not be ready coming out of New Mexico. For the second straight game, he's around the ball a lot. Instinctive, covered skills seem to be there. He's looking to hit. There were a lot of times, I think he wears number 32. There was a lot of times where I thought, oh, hey, there he is again. All right, let's talk about the big three. Drew Locke looked good against the Minnesota Vikings, looked better last night. And Carroll said if he hadn't got that knee injury late in the first half, was going to play a lot. Was going to play most of the game after taking over for Geno Smith. But they just wanted to be careful with him. And Ehlers came in late second quarter and finished. Uh, five out of six, 119 yards, 20-yard average per completion, 118.8 quarterback rating. He looked calm, poised, comfortable, polished, accurate. Had a couple of just absolute dimes and beautiful throws. Uh, the one to Jackson Smith and Jigba, the 48-yarder, was picture perfect. And it's teaching tape. Perfect base, footwork, mechanics. He didn't even come close to throwing an interception, something that he's been known for. He looks like a starting quarterback in this league. And he kind of reminds me of Geno Smith. Much younger than when Geno got his shot. I think there's, we're going to be having a conversation throughout this year and beyond and going into next offseason. Is Drew Locke just the next Geno Smith? Is this the guy that the Seahawks keep bringing back year after year? Or maybe even sign him to a multi-year deal. So they just know they have that position locked up. Um... He said after the game, it's the it's that continuity for the first time in his career, back-to-back years in the same system, knowing Shane Waldron's offense, offense uh, much, much better. 
And he says he feels like he processes the game better. The game is slowed down. He processes his offense. He knows when he drops back and he looks down the field, he knows where guys are going to be, what his read are, reads are, where he's going to go with the ball, and the arm talent is undeniable. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then Holt Nailers, uh, the numbers don't look great. You know, he, he still likes to run around seven rushes, 42 yards, had a 19-yarder in there. Um, seven out of 13 for 61 yards, not that impressive. But when you look beyond that and you watch, first of all, the league, the NFL just doesn't look too big for him. He looks comfortable. Looks pretty good taking snaps from under center, something he never did in college at East Carolina. Um, it's interesting the way Shane Waldron calls the game for him, really using his mobility, lots of rollouts, lots of play action rollouts. But he had some beautiful throws that weren't caught. He had a ball that he threw to John Hall on a go route that you can't throw much better in this league. Over the corner, in front of the safety, coming over to help. And John Hall should have caught it. Dropped it. Played it poorly. Uh, another really impressive throw uh, to the pylon as he was rolling left from the 20. I don't have in my notes here. I think it might have been uh, Tajon Lindsay. Um, if that's DK Metcalf or Jake Bobo even or JSN, it's a catch. It's a touchdown. Um, had a really cool 12-yard gain on a third down, under pressure, rolling out. Um where the receiver was kind of breaking, he had, to, he had to anticipate. The guy was coming in on him, but he knew where the receiver was going to be, and he threw it short so the receiver could come back to it. He's, he looks instinctive. Um, it, it's annoying how much the announcers keep talking about Tim Tebow, though. I would hope if he ever gets an opportunity to play on a regular basis that that would stop. Um Look, I, I, I'm not sitting here telling you I think this guy's a starter in the league long-term. I mean, we've seen preseason quarterback performances um, not translate to regular season success, right? How good was Seneca Wallace? Every preseason. Looked dynamic. Never really parlayed that into a, into a good NFL career. Remember the game that Mike Teal had out of Rutgers against the, the Oakland, I think they were the Oakland Raiders back then. Lit it up. I remember my dad telling me that day, that guy should be our starting quarterback. Never played in the league. Um, now, the big question is, do the Seahawks, so there's that new rule, the 53, or, or the emergency quarterback rule. I've been asked about this. Um, does that give him a better chance to make the 53? And my answer, my, my short answer is no. Um, I think, obviously, because the Seahawks feel good enough about Drew Locke, they never carry three quarterbacks on the active roster, ever. He's going to be on the practice squad, and they'll develop him there. Uh, the emergency quarterback stipulates that rule that it you have to, he has to be on the 53. 
and then you designate him uh, on game day within 90 minutes of the game, whether you're going to designate him as an emergency court. So you'd have to make the 53. Seahawks aren't going to use a roster spot on him for that. Uh, but he's fun to watch, and we'll probably, um, well, I think we're going to see a lot of them against the Packers. Which, by the way, it came out today, the Packers are going to play Jordan Love in that third preseason game, so that'll be interesting to watch. Um, and the other thing I love, a little side note about that Green Bay game, is it's 10 a.m. 10 a.m. on Saturday. We get to wake up early, cook some eggs, maybe throw a couple of waffles in the waffle iron, and uh, watch a 10 a.m. breakfast with the Seahawks against the Packers in Green Bay. And then, okay, you've been waiting for it. Let's talk about Levi Bell. This guy just continues to stand out and looks more and more legitimate, right? I compared him to Nick Reed earlier. Remember Nick Reed, the former undersized defensive end out of Oregon. It was a first-team All-American, had a great preseason for the Seahawks, made the roster, uh, but didn't really turn that into an NFL career. Uh, Levi Bell, 5'11", 262. He's got long arms. And he gets to the passer. He has a history of it in college, USFL last year, but it's his run defense that stood out. Pro Football Focus gave him an 89.5 for his performance last night. That's the highest grade on the Seahawks. That's an outstanding grade, regardless of you know whether or not you put a lot of stock in PFF grades. And here's my question. Because he also came in as lead blocker, played a little fullback, uh, was it DJ Dallas's touchdown or was it uh, Sir Roderick Thompson's touchdown? I think it was Thompson. Um, and he's great on special teams. And he's young. And he's cheap, right? Have Nick Ballore's days in Seattle come to an end? I think it's a legitimate question. It shocked me when I looked this up today. Nick Ballore's 34 years old. And you remember one of the reasons Seahawks kept bringing him back course he's a special teams ace but he would play some fullback and he could play linebacker was it last year or two preseasons ago that he played a lot of linebacker and looked good doing it hasn't seen a snap this year and the Seahawks just don't often use a fullback they certainly don't use him they play around you know they used Derek Young late last year in some fullback alignments um, but it's something he did in college last year a little bit out of need so Belor, 34 years old, signed through next year, signed a two-year, $6.6 million deal, has a $2.6 million cap hit this year. Cutting him would, would, it would leave a million and a half in dead money, but it would clear a little over $1.1 million. That is not an insignificant amount of money. So I reached out to Corbin Smith, right, from Locked on Seahawks and all Seahawks. Seahawks beat reporter, longtime friend of the show. And if you're watching, I'm going to put this uh, this quote up on the, on the screen here. I asked him, could Levi Bell's performance give him a shot to make the roster and, and render Nick Ballore obsolete? Is that too much of a luxury to spend a 53-man roster spot on a guy who is only going to play special teams, who's 34 years old and making money? Here's what Corbin said. If you asked me a week ago, I would have said that is 100% not happening. But I do wonder if the Seahawks might be having some internal discussions. They've got some really good young special teams players and Bell as a utility fullback would be a boost in short yardage situations. Interesting. Uh, he's been a standout and he's one of those guys that I think there's some scheme versatility to him and he might, as much as I talked the other day about how 
how rare it is these days for teams to poach guys off the waiver wire at that big cut down. He might not get through if you want to try and stash him on the practice squad. And he might have just flat out earned his spot. He played early yesterday. He played some reps against starters. He's not just doing this in the fourth quarter, cleaning up against other undrafted guys. It's going to be really hard, in my opinion, to keep him off the roster. It's going to be hard for me to keep him off when I do my 53-man. Um, so those are my thoughts on that. 22-14. Got, I had to make sure I got that score right because, you know, I heard a lot. Got a lot of shit last week about how I got the score wrong when I first posted the video. Um, <laughs> but that's going to do it for today. A uh, couple of items to get to. Tomorrow, I am hopping on as a guest on a really cool podcast opportunity called We Talk to Twelves with Josh Edwards uh, at Josh underscore We Talk on Twitter from the UK. So I've had... I've had Rob Staten on the show. I've had Maddie Brown on the show. Just had him a couple weeks ago. Right now I get to go be on a show in the UK. And what's cool about this is we're not just going to break down the Seahawks. Uh, he wants to dig into my background a little bit. He likes to get to know his guests, you know, my history as a Seahawk fan and, and some of my favorite memories and, and uh, my podcast history and what got me into it and my broadcast history. And, and those are some things I've, I've thought about. I've long thought about this, uh, doing a show where I kind of focus on that, like give you my backstory. Uh, including some old highlights of me doing television news and uh, well, I mean television sports on a newscast and also some, some old play by play uh, that would take some time, probably an off season thing. We'll table that until maybe next June. Um, so that'll be fun. So tune in for that. I will uh, put the link out uh, on my Twitter when that is uh, posted. And then uh, next Thursday, I think we've got this lockdown, Adam from the Seahawkers podcast, Brandon Schultz, co-host, uh, met him at the mock game, Adam the rant on Twitter. He's going to join me and uh, we'll have him on the 53 man roster projection show and um, get his thoughts on my projection and what he thinks of that and where he agrees and disagrees on that. And then uh, one last thing before we go. Uh, I've been teasing this for a little bit. Just sign the contract today. I'm going to be doing something else during uh, the football season. Don't worry. It's not going to affect this show at all, the frequency of it or the look of it or anything else. I'm not um, prohibited. Um, ex it's not an exclusivity deal. But PSF, you may have heard about it or seen it on Twitter, uh, stands for Pro Sports Fan. It's an app. It's available on iPhone now. Should be available on Android by the end of the week. Uh, when I get that news, I'll pass it along to you. President of the company is Sean Salisbury, former ESPN, right? You remember all those great debates, him back and forth with the late John Clayton. Uh, he's doing Houston Sports Talk Radio now and coaching quarterbacks. He's a he's an individual quarterback guru. Um, and of course, former Seattle Seahawk, undrafted free agent, right? Uh, really excited about this app. What it is, is an interactive app where you can go live and uh, any fans can enter the chat. And you can have multiple hosts uh, hosts on it, video. It's all done mobile. And um, and you can discuss. And they kind of talked about the concept. Um, well, first of all, there will be midweek shows. We'll talk about kind of how things are going and little review and preview action. Um, but it's where they really want to focus is the game day experience during the game. Uh, they've name dropped the man, name dropped the Manning cast. What it'll be is me and a co-host. That hasn't been set yet. 
might have a surprise for you on that. Uh, and we'll host the chat room and anyone can enter and you can talk, you have a live mic, you can text and we will watch the game together. Not in the app. The NFL is not going to allow that, but we'll have the game on. You'll have the game on and we'll react to it live. They have real-time AI-driven stats um, that you'll see throughout the game. So we'll analyze, we'll react. We will uh, we'll curse out the refs. We'll get pissed about things. We'll second-guess things throughout the game. It's really, really cool. And, and we had a big Zoom call the other day and Sean jumped on and spoke for 15 minutes and I would have run through a brick wall after that. Really pumped about it. Uh, and really love the potential of it and the possibility. So it's PSF Pro Sports Fans. You can get it now on Apple. Here's the cool thing. It's free. It will, at a certain point, be a subscription service. Um, but two things. They're not going to do it until into the season. Uh, I believe the exact words in the meeting the other day were, the first month or two of the season, it'll continue to be free so that people can get into it and, and get exposed to it and try it out. And then the way, I don't know the number exactly, but the way Sean uh, described the subscription uh, for all the features in the app was less than a cup of coffee. Um, so keep your eye out for that. I'm really excited about it. And again, it won't affect, um, won't affect this show at all. So that's going to do it for me. Uh, always. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, please. Help us get to that goal of 3,000 subscriptions. Follow me on Twitter, at Seahawks Forever. Um, check Twitter tomorrow. I'll post that link in the podcast I'm on, and then uh, Adam will join me next week as well as we get ready for the final preseason game against the Packers next week, and then it'll be roster cut down time. And that is going to be fast and furious. One cut from 90 to 53 players. It's going to be like another wave of free agency. Uh, lots to talk about between now and then. I'm Dan Vienz. Thanks for listening and watching Seahawks forever. Until next time, forever and always, go Hawks. Go Hawks.